Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Death Holler. I'm your host, the Reverend Dr. Death, and joining me as always is the diminutive, raincoat-wearing serial killer, La Urena. How many families have you destroyed in the past week, Urena? Not enough, because the Christmas season <laughs> is in full swing and they are everywhere. <laughs> uh one of the granddaddies of the slasher genre is the Italian giallo. Uh, and for those who might not be aware of the genre or need a refresher, gialli as the plural of the, of the movies are, uh, were Italian horror thriller mysteries that had their heyday from the 60s to the mid-70s. Uh, the name giallo literally translates to yellow and is a reference to the bright yellow Italian pulp novels that inspired the genre. Several elements present in Giallo films, an unknown serial killer, high levels of gore, blood, uh, and copious amounts of nudity, as well as sex, uh, are the, uh, obviously the precursors to the American slasher genre. In our continued look at the proto-slasher, we will be discussing a classic Giallo that directly influenced the Friday the 13th series, as well as a little-known American gem that bridged the gap between Psycho and Halloween. So join us if you dare as we review Bay of Blood from 1971 and Alice Sweet Alice from 76. Wait a second. I thought you said it was a gelato. <laughs> You're not getting a sweet treat this episode. Aww, Just copious amounts of blood. Stupid. Okay, okay. I'll take it. <laughs> If you're enjoying the podcast, we'd appreciate if you could take the time to like, comment, and subscribe on whatever podcast platform you prefer. It helps us get more visibility on podcast listings and helps us grow. Also, consider following us on social media. You can find us at TikTok and Twitter under Death Holler Pod, and we can be found on Instagram and Facebook under Death Holler Podcast. We appreciate everyone who listens and hope you enjoy the show. I'm going to, oh, well, I'm going to interrupt because I'm going to toss in real quick. We have a listener. We, we're allowed to say his name, aren't we? Yeah. All right. I just want to say to Cody, hey, we really appreciate the feedback that you've been giving, man. Like we do like you're giving it, you're saying it and I hear you. Um, And there are definite changes of your recommendation that are going to eventually come along uh, that we're definitely trying to work out. So just want to make sure you know you're appreciated. You don't go unheard, man. It's all right. It's all right. And now, let's attack some of those bees. Oh, dear Lord. What is that? What is that? What is it? Oh, no, not the bees! Not the bees! Ah! I'm losing my eyes! This attack of the bees is technically a cheat because I feel like amongst some circles... Uh, the the movie I'm discussing, Deep Red, is more well known and more established than possibly Bay of Blood, but the connections <laughs> to the slasher genre are a lot less uh, uh, apparent. So I, I didn't want. I mean, I wanted to give it its due because Argento definitely needed his due. For, I mean, for I mean, this is the most I think of all of his films. This is considered the most slasher esque of the giallos that he made. But, uh, and it's, it's too well made to be a B movie. It's not, but at the same time I, I had to include it somewhere. So that's why it's been, you know, in this segment, but deep red also known as profundo Rosso, mm-hmm. uh, w- was directed by Dario Argento written by Dario Argento and, Ber- uh, Bernardino Zapponi. Um, music by Giorgio Gaslini and Goblin, which is, I mean, there is some good, songs in this movie that especially by goblin there's like a a very it's kind of weird for the movie but it works it's like a kind of a driving thumping like uh 
rock and roll type, you know, music that Goblin adds to the soundtrack, as well as like a couple of the scenes where there's like these cutaways where they show like children's toys that the killer is playing with in between like, you know, uh, some of the bigger deaths in the movie and Goblin knocks it out of the park in those scenes. I, I mean, I love their music from uh, Dawn of the Dead that they, that they added, but uh, they, they really got some good ones in this one. Um, principal players is David Hemmings, who plays Marcus Daly, uh, pianist. Uh, <laughs> and that's not somebody who just grabs his penis. That is somebody who plays piano, uh, uh, who's a Brit and the protagonist trying to solve the murder. We have uh, Dario, uh, Daria Nicoliti uh, playing Gianni Brezzi, who's the Italian news reporter. Uh, very forward and modern woman, at least for that time. And she is down to fuck. Like, I mean, she straight up tells uh, Marcus when she meets him, she's like, I don't have a boyfriend. Uh, you don't have anybody that I can see. Uh, why are we not fucking? I mean, <laughs> she doesn't say it that way, but she, I mean, there, she does everything but just basically throw it in his face. Um, Gabrielle uh, Lavia plays, uh, which Gabriel, I guess, Gabriel Lavia plays Carlo, the drunk, uh, Claus, the gay man. He uses the F dash dash word in the movie to refer Ooh. to himself and uh club magician or musician. So, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and then we have rounding out the movie, uh, Macha Merrill who plays Helga Ullman. She is a psychic who accidentally discovers a murderer and pays the ultimate price. And, um, so the synopsis of the movie is that opening upon a vague Christmas scene, which is appropriate <laughs> for the season, uh, uh, it the, it ends quickly in a blood-curdling scream and the death of someone off-screen, uh, and the movie quickly transitions to a conference about, a, about psychic phenomena. The psychic in question, Helga, is demonstrating her remarkable powers, and she actually is a full-on psychic, like the way it presents in the movie. She's like, I mean, she is, you know, telling this guy like he's got like so many keys in his pocket one of them's you know like i mean uh larger than the others and like it all matches up but while she's doing this she gets like very heavy psychic impressions she can't like put away that there's a killer in the audience and um while she's doing that there's a point of view shot of somebody you know uh walking away as she's having this fit basically on stage and going to, and, and, and leaving the, the room and going to the bathroom basically. And, um, uh, which is the killer obviously, but then like it, it pants back to her and it, and she reveals uh, to her, uh, the, uh, compatriots that are the two other guys that she works with, that she knows that what the killer did and how they got away with it. And she also knows their name and, but she's got to have time to collect herself and like, you know, write it all down so she can present it to the police. And of course the killer hears this. And so obviously that night, but after, right after she's uh, in the middle of, you know, writing down everything about the killer, uh, she gets ganked in a very, very well done scene. Like there's a lot of deep red blood, hence the name. And there's a lot of uh, chops to the face and, you know, everything else. And when she ultimately dies, it's right as uh, Marcus, who's trying to help out uh, Carlo from a, a, a bender that he's on at the current moment. He happens to look up into the window and sees Helga uh, being attacked by this person in dark raincoat. Raincoats are going to be a theme tonight, apparently. Oh, God. <clears throat> and, um, when he looks up, he sees her head smashed through the, the window and then like her, and then she uh, collapses down on a pane of glass, stabbing up into her, you know, her throat and then her head. So that's how she ultimately dies. Um, 
pretty pretty good way to start out the movie, a pretty good death scene. Uh, this uh, Marcus witnessing this starts a, a kickstarts a cat and mouse chase that doesn't end until the final bloody moments of the film. Uh, death waits every, around every corner. Creepy dolls are hung from the rafters. A ventriloquist-style dummy uh, comes rolling in like Jigsaw. I mean, it literally looks like they stole Jigsaw from this because, I mean, it, it, the way it moves and everything. Oh, my God. And then the <laughs> local news reporter keeps uh, giving hints that she needs a fuck <laughs> throughout the entire movie. Uh, she don't care that they're trying to solve a crime. She needs hers. Aye, aye, aye. Um, Body count, six humans, one bird, and a gecko <gasps> in a pear tree. No. <laughs> the gecko was killed by a little girl, if it makes you feel any better. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, this, this is a very well-made movie. It's, it's a murder mystery type movie. Uh, there's some very good death scenes in this. One is literally this, uh, every time that Marcus finds out something, the killer is one step ahead of him. So when he discovers that there's like this author who wrote about a, a haunted Roman mansion and, you know, in Italy, um, <clears throat> that described or perfectly matched up with, uh, some of the stuff going on with the crime. Cause there's this whole thing about every time that the killer goes to kill anybody, they play this song, which I think I sent you. And I don't know if you oh, know, attach yeah. it to anything. I didn't, but, but I'll they play probably add it in. They play this little children's um, theme or whatever. And so he finds out that there's actually a local haunted house story about people hearing that as they walk past this mansion. And when he finds out that uh, this certain author wrote about it, he tries to go to her house. But right before he gets there, the killer gets there before him. And he, uh, and it's a very good scene um, he, he basically smashes her face against the bathroom wall, but while she's got like the, uh, I think the, uh, bath running and I don't know about Italy. I mean, you know, I know in America we've got like limiters on our hot water heaters to where they can't get scalding hot, but at least in this movie, they don't have those. And so while this, uh, this whole room is filled with steam and, uh, I mean, indicating that the water's hot as fuck, like the killer ho basically holds her head down into the water and burns it off. Um, and then, and right as she's dying from all the injuries that she's taken from the killer, a couple of stab wounds on top of that, <laughs> she starts writing out the killer's name on one of the tiles and, you know, but then the, the killer opens up a window and lets the steam out. And of course that, you know, uh, that's something that comes up later. One of the characters figures out if they steam the room back up, then that, that gives them, you know, then they can track down who the killer was from what she was trying to write. Um, there's uh, the end scene, the, the kills at the end of the movie are great because there's one cat decapitation and somebody gets their, uh, after being drugged for what seems like two miles by what looks like a gas, or I mean a, a garbage truck, they, they get fucking thrown, thrown out into the road uh, and, and then get their head ran over by a car. <laughs> and it's a very well done scene. Like I loved it. it just pop, you know, just exploded. So. Ew. <laughs> Uh, very high recommendations for this movie. If you don't watch any other Jello, I mean, because this is a straight up Jello, there's no like mixing it with slashers, really. I mean, it does have a few things, but the killer is just somebody who's, uh, you know, always shown in the dark in a dark raincoat. Uh, but I mean, if you don't watch any others, I'd recommend this one. Uh, Nick Cage rating I'd give for it is Mandy. Because uh, the plot is a little hard to parse at times, it kind of jumps around, but uh, it's overall coherent enough to where you can get the gist of it, and the imagery and camera work is stunning. Like, I mean, Argento was very artistic uh, with a lot of his, uh, we'll be covering one of his movies in a future season, Suspiria. I mean, like, that's a quintessential witch movie, but 
um, he he's very artistic with his shots. Like, I mean, he's, you know, he knows how to frame the image to where he gets the most use out of it. When was this movie made? I want to say that this movie came out in like 75, 76. It was right at the end of the Giallo period. Like, and that's rated as one of the best. Okay. I mean, it like literally right before it was like a couple years later and then you had Halloween and then that destroyed that whole genre. But okay. like this, this is right before that. And the, and the use of the children's toys too is great because there were some, I mean, the creepy dolls, like I said, that ventriloquist dummy that's like moving toward one of the characters right before the killer pops in and, you know, uh, cuts his, I, I think he like slashes his throat at that point or something like that. But, um, it's, it's, it's very creepy imagery that they've thrown in there on top of just a standard, like, you know, people getting stabbed. Yikes. Um, when I, but so that's that movie, but whenever I was talking about the ones that we were going to uh, cover for this episode, uh, I was at video smash up renting the movies and, uh, and I mentioned to Donnie G that the director of our first movie, Alfred soul, uh, which is for Alice, sweet Alice, by the way, uh, got his start in the business by directing a porno. Of course, Donnie G was interested. Now, before, uh, he told me to give you this setup before he goes into his review. This is this is trivia, technically. Um, Soul wanted to get into filmmaking and saw that uh, even established directors like Francis Ford Coppola actually delved into the porno market <laughs> like at one point in time. And so he's, he, he had a bunch of his rich friends around him at a party. And he's like, I think I could do this. I want to get into making movies. And, and they, and, and so he, this guy was like an architect or a house designer for like a bunch of like, you know, doctors, lawyers, judges, I mean, very well to do people. And he, and one night he collected $25,000 from these people to make this porno called deep sleep that Donnie G's going to be covering. Uh, that movie would go on to make $12 million. Holy shit. <laughs> uh, but, but almost all the profits were seized by the FBI <gasps> in a contentious censorship battle. Oh shit. This legal dispute would continue for years. <sighs> Internet cut out bad. Threatened them, held that pornography did not fall under the First Amendment and therefore was, uh, uh, you know, actually a criminal offense that they could, you know, and he had to get that trial delayed several times during Alice Sweet Alice to be able to even get that movie done. Holy shit. Um, Donnie, Donnie G was very interesting and very interested in all of this, uh, you know, trivia. So he did his due diligence. He tracked down the movie uh, and here's his review. And now, it's time for another episode of I Think I Downloaded the Wrong Movie. What's up, y'all? Donnie G coming at you again today, and we are going to be reviewing Alfred Schultz's directorial debut, way back to 1972, The Deep Sleep. Now, before we get started, I want to give you a little heads up. Chest got done training chest. That combined with two and a half scoops of pre-workout, gonna be a little bit jacked. He's on the drugs, I know it. Synopsis. A man suffering from lump dick goes to see a horny sex guru. Spoiler alert. It was all a wet dream. 
Now, if you're looking for a low-budget skin flick that could also pass as a comedy, this is a gold mine. Now, like I said, it's in the early 70s, so everyone is obviously high, and everyone's got bush. The action scene breakdowns are there's a male-female, female solo, uh, it's a two-female cuckold scene, there's a male-female cuckold scene, there's a happy ending massage, another female solo, uh, there is a swinger scene where the two couples swap up and they 69 the entire time. And there's also just a regular plain Jane standard missionary male-female scene. I found this on TwoPornClassic.com uh, with 43,000 plays. It had 22 upvotes and 11 downvotes. Uh, IMDB had it at a 4.7 with 28 votes. Uh, me, I'm going to give it two and a half out of five eggplants. It's not great, but it's not bad either. Uh, my biggest critiques are the sex guru he narrates over each one of the action scenes. Uh, it gets distracting, and his accent is really annoying at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> also, I would say that the music was the stereotypical 70s porn music. God sake, they used a fucking kazoo, people. I mean, seriously. All right, and that's all I've got for this one today, people. Uh, be sure to follow the podcast on Instagram. You can find it at Death Holler Podcast. And me, you can find me on Instagram and TikTok at Big Bald M F E R. Oh, hey, Oh, that's terrible. I wonder what happened. What? What? Did did somebody catch him while he was recording that? Sounds like his wife caught him. I wonder who oh, would have told her. That's oh. awful. That is a shitty thing to do to poor Donnie G. I mean, <laughs> he's he's out there doing the Lord's work. <laughs> Sounds like he was in his car. Was he hiding from her? I think he was. He had to get out of the house, and uh, she still found him. Oh, Damn. my God. Well, it's hard to tell if we're going to be getting any more of those in the future, but if we do, consider it a sweet treat, everybody. <laughs> All right, on the movie discussion, numero uno, Alice Sweet Alice, a.k.a. Communion, a.k.a. Holy Terror from 1976. <laughs> it really there's did reasons. have all those names. It really did. It's it's uh, There's reasons for that. We'll get into that in the trivia. Directed by Alfred Soule, written by Alfred Soule and Rosemary Ritvo. Music by Stephen Lawrence, uh, made for a budget of $340,000, made $12 million. So he, he kept making $12 million yeah. uh, with shitty budgets. Pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Not as good of a turnaround as uh, Deep Sleep, but, yeah. I mean, at least the FBI didn't take all of this money. Which is a surprise. There was some shit in this film. <laughs> <laughs> uh, principal players, Linda Miller playing Catherine Spages, uh, seemingly naive mother dealing with a lot of family drama, to say the least. Uh, Linda Miller had a few TV appearances throughout the years, uh, including Freddy's Nightmares, of all things. Uh, but the most interesting thing I found out about her was that she was the daughter to Jackie Gleason and mother to Jason Patrick, who, if you didn't know, was the, the lead actor in the Lost Boys, the one that Michael, that gets the older brother that gets turned into a vampire. So that's yeah. his mom. Uh, you think he hated growing <laughs> up with such a hot mom? 
<laughs> I'm sure that he did. That's got to like, be that's annoying. What, that, that's one thing I was, I was surprised. Well, I was really surprised whenever I found out she was, uh, uh, you know, uh, daughter of Jackie Gleason. I was like, how did he produce such a hot daughter? I mean, yeah. Like, that I mean, you especially if you watch Buford T. Justice, you know, in uh, any of the uh, 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 Smoking the Bandit movies, and, and you look and you watch her in this movie, it's like, how did how did she have anything to do with that? Yeah, you know what she reminded me of? She reminded me of one of the hot cat women space ladies from um, Dude, Where's My Car? Just the dark okay. hair, the green eyes. She had that just ex- weird exotic look to her. Yeah, she we did. Now, now that you mention it, there was something like just a little bit different about her that like stood out. Yeah. So I was just like every like every randomly there would be a glance or something. But I'm like, well, in the movie, they play it off really well. She's really hot, but she's also kind of crazy. So she's a little too crazy because I'm like, why did her husband leave her? And then you're like, ah, she was just she was hot, but she was too crazy. Which is something apparently that uh, we'll get in the trivia was the real life thing. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but maybe that's why she's on the, she's so hot in this movie. You get a little, you get a little bit of that uh, crazy vibe, you know, and that always shoots you up just a little bit on the hot meter. Yes. She um, was high on both meters. Also, yeah. But you also know that you got to stay away from that whenever you realize that that's adding to the hotness factor. Yeah. You got to find the <laughs> unicorn apparently. I don't know. Uh, we have Paula Shepard playing the titular Alice, uh, the <laughs> oldest Oldest daughter to Catherine, possible history of being molested. I'd say it's probably confirmed that she oh, was. Oh, yeah. And ugly duckling syndrome. She's a strange fucking kid. She um, is. Uh, she, she only had one other acting credit that I could find on IMDb, and that was Liquid Sky. And that was like a movie that she did many years later. So it was like in the 80s. Well, it wasn't that many years later. It was, it was like late 80s. It was some kind of weird, if I remember right, like, Almost like the main character was androgynous. Looked like uh, uh, what was his name? The the singer that did uh, Uncle or you know uh, Space Cadet uh, or Space to uh, Mr. Tom or whatever. Um, God, why am I blanking on his name? Um, David Bowie. David Bowie. Yes. Okay. Like Ground control in... to Major Tom. <laughs> That's what I was yeah. thinking. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was the character that I saw in the pictures when I looked up Liquid Sky looked like, you know, David Bowie, like they were doing like an impersonation of him, like the other character. She wasn't that character, but she was yeah. supposed to be involved with that character, I think, yeah. romantically or something. Cause, and it's a weird movie, too, because it's about these aliens that come to Earth looking for uh, heroin, I oh, believe it was, or okay. some kind of drug. And, uh, you know, for the rest of the movie, they get fucking high off their ass, and this, and, and it's, it just goes on from there. So it's a weird movie. Sounds like the 80s to me. Um, quick question, because I don't want to spoil anything yet, but do you have any trivia about her that discusses her age? She was 19 when she made this movie. Yes. The (laughs) the older sister that was playing, I think she was playing like a 13 or 14 year old in this film. 12. 12. 12 year old. A 19 year old playing a 12 year old. This is the main Uh, protagonist. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, the main character that's the movie is named after. She was nineteen. Yes, nineteen years old. Did did she have like a birth defect? That's, he always I thinks mean, there's it, something wrong with them when they look so young at their age. <laughs> it, it shocked the fuck out of me whenever I, I, I heard how old she was. I mean, I assumed that she was like maybe you know sixteen or something, trying to play a twelve year old. Yeah. 
but 19 years old. And the only thing that threw me for a loop was every time she talked, her voice was a little too deep for a girl that age. Just a little, yeah. I mean, there was something off about that. But, but then everything. But, but that explains why she did such a good job in her, in her acting role. Yes. Oh yeah. That's why she's such a good actress was because she wasn't a child. Yeah. I agree. I agree with that a hundred percent. Um, <clears throat> So uh, after that, we have uh, Niles McMaster, who plays Dom Spages. He's the ex-husband, the absent father, uh, but he actually genuinely cares for his children. Like they, they, they do a good job of not just making him the typical piece of shit, you know, ex or whatever that just comes in there. I mean, like you, you know, he actually they do a good job of showing that he he's going around trying his best to figure out what. I mean, his his family's already been basically destroyed by the death of the oldest or the youngest daughter. So uh, now he's just trying to save his oldest one. That you know, all signs point to her being the killer basically yeah. throughout most of the movie. Um. <clears throat> Niles was in, uh, uh, he's been in, he was in several other things. I mean, I think this was one of his big breakthrough parts that he had in any movie around this time, but he was also in a very, I don't recommend anybody watch this movie, <laughs> Blood Sucking Freaks. Um, there is a lot of, sh I mean, that is almost a snuff film. That is a I mean, horrible I'm, movie that has zero story. Like, I don't, under, you ever try to sit down and watch what the story is behind that movie? Uh, I tried, and and the only thing that helped me through that movie was the fact that Joe Bob Briggs had it on the last drive-in, and every once in a while he would cut in and <laughs> throw some you know interesting trivia. I did. I, I I swear to God, like I felt gross after watching that movie. Like it's that bad. You know the the, the one thing that stands on that movie to this day, and I never forget it, is when he's throwing the darts at the girl's ass that has the targets on it. Oh yeah, yeah. The one the scene that stands out to me besides that one, and this is, I think, the one you're referring to is a little midget guy that's doing all this. Um, there's the scene where they have this one girl, and uh, she's 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 having to hold like this the end to this like uh, guillotine that's holding that's holding the blade up. She's holding the rope to that through in her teeth, and she's getting her ass spanked by the midget. And if she and if she lets go, she's going to die. But they have no intention of ever letting her, you know, have any relief. So she's going to get her head chopped off anyways, regardless of how, how long she lasts or not. That's, that's the type of movie you're dealing with. Yeah. I totally forgot about that movie until oh you said God. that. As soon as you said the name, I was like, Oh my God. Um, and funny thing is another character actor in this movie that played Alfonso, uh, was also in blood sucking freaks, but he fits for blood sucking freaks. Oh, honestly, yeah. like if anybody should have been in that movie, it was Alfonso. You know what? I never understood about the name blood sucking freaks is that nobody drank blood in the movie. The only thing is, is that they ate, uh, what was it? Penises at the end of the movie. It was, yeah. uh, th that they, they, or, the, uh, fingers. The, I can't remember. I thought it was penises. I thought it was the main bad guy. I'm pretty guys. sure it's pen. Yeah. It was like they cook them up like hot dogs and yeah. eat them. That's the only thing. Makes me not want a hot dog real bad. <laughs> I, I never understood, like, where they come up with that name. Like, the name doesn't, like, I think it was named something bloody else. penises. It was named something else entirely, and they couldn't get anybody to do any kind of distribution for it. And they changed the name, I think, at Lloyd Kaufman's, uh, you know, the one who was over um, uh, all of the, what? Trauma. The, yeah, Trauma. He was the one that picked it up, and even he said after he picked it up and distributed it, he wished that he hadn't. And that's how bad it is, because Lloyd Kaufman would put out any fucking thing. Yeah. Oh, but God. he even felt bad about picking that movie up. Yeah, it was horrible. 
we have Brooke Shields, uh, her first movie, by the way, a little bit of trivia for this, playing Karen Spages, the favored daughter of the Spages, uh, dies upon her first communion, hence the original name, and sends the family in a chaotic spiral afterward. Yep. Um, she's primarily known for Blue Lagoon, where she plays, if I remember right, a very underage girl having sex. Mm-hmm. Um, Showing off her titties. Suddenly, what's that? Showing off her titties. I think yep. Brooke yep. Shields is the reason that we have, because they wanted that young look. They actually got it. There's a law against it now, rightfully so. But now you can get these women that are 19 years old playing 12 years old. And, I mean, obviously they had in this film. And then, of course, Jenna Ortega, who looks very young for her age, playing these roles because you can get away with it now. So Yeah, but Hollywood has moved away from trying to fight the pedo image to maybe embracing it. <sighs> That's a whole yeah, argument that some people are making. Yeah, it's a whole thing. <laughs> Uh, she was also the main character in Suddenly Susan. I think she was uh, opposite uh, the character from uh, The Breakfast Club. Um, and, uh, you know, the one that the, the played the, the bully character in that movie, he, Judd, or Judd Nelson, I believe is his name. He, he was in Suddenly Susan. He played like an editor, if I remember right. Brooke I remember Shields. seeing that vaguely. Brooke Shields was also in the South Park movie, Bigger, Longer, and Uncut. <laughs> and she made the notion that she once starred in Blue Lagoon. Right before, <laughs> right before, uh, what's his face? Who's that uh, TV show dude? Um, uh, Conan. Conan jumps out the window. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's her one claim to fame is yeah. Blue Lagoon. Oh, dear God. She was in the, she was in the Midnight Meat Train. Oh, that's a hell of a good movie. And uh, yeah, and not to, and, and that's not about her time with a former California governor. If you were concerned, that that's wow. not a movie about that. Wait a second, you're talking about the Arnold. The Arnold. She was married to him. She was married to him. Yeah, they had kids together. That's who uh, Chris Pratt's married to. Is their is their uh, daughter? No, oh, it's Maria was Shriver. Maria Shriver. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm confusing the two of them. Okay, I'm which sorry. is fine because I was like, dang, he's really got a type. Because Maria Shiver, I mean, she looks like a skeletal version of Brooke Shields, but they they do have similarities. So I see where it's coming from. I was like, dang, he, like. Yeah, that's just me confusing two white women that, that <laughs> look alike. So. Typical. Yeah. But she is Vicky Vale in the Batman, the, uh, the audio adventures, oh. um, which is kind of strange. That's like a newer one that she's been doing, like, lately. Wow. I mean, I, I, I liked, um, uh, why can't I think, the the original Vicky Vale? Hot. Vicky Rourke. No, I know who Vicky Vale was. I'm talking about the actress that played her. I know. Her. I'm giving you clues to who she is. I know she was married to Alec Baldwin. I don't know Eight why. Mile. I know who she is. Kim Basinger. There, there we go. Um, <laughs> I was just helping jog your memory. She still has a sexy voice on because she was in the most recent um, Fifty Shades of Grey. Fifty shit. She, she was a psychiatrist. She yeah. She played she played Mrs. Robinson, <clears throat> which is I mean that was what she was called because she was the older woman that basically had relations with a child. I might yeah. as well. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure if you're a 14 year old boy and Kim Basinger wants to bang you, no one's arguing. Yeah. Um, but anyway, she's got such still such a sexy, sultry voice. Why not use her for Vicky Vale? I have no idea. I don't know why they went with uh, Brooke Shields instead. Like, it's one of those, I mean, it, but, you know, maybe maybe she just uh, didn't want to do the part. I don't know. Like, maybe. she just didn't want to have anything to do with it. Yeah. <clears throat> we have Jane Lowry playing Aunt Annie. 
which is a bit of a harpy. Uh, she's the sister to Catherine. Uh, she's clearly the ugly sister. Oh, <laughs> God. And, uh, but they did have similarities. They did a good job with these women. They had very similar facial features. Obviously, the hair is easy to pull off. Uh, skin color, height, everything, except craziness. for one was the ugly one. Just like yeah. the two daughters. They had an ugly one. <laughs> it's a good thing we had a boy yeah, and a girl. There's a lot of parallels in the movie too. We'll get to whenever we're discussing it. But yeah, there's a lot of the duality stuff that 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 would make sense that he would like tap into that. Um, and she's also a knife victim in the movie and sets up, you know, kind of the uh, mainly the, inst- the the main instigating plot of the movie. Really, I yes. mean her because and I, this is because discussing this with Cody, honestly, like in person, I was talking about this to him, and we kind of came to this conclusion. Um, the main reason that she was left alive by the killer in the movie is just so that she could blame Accused. everything yes. on Alice. And, and, and that, that's the only reason she was left alive. Yeah. It's literally, literally that. Like, I mean, I was wondering in the first um, place why she got attacked. And I answered that same question. I was like, Oh, wait a second. She's the one who set the fire. Oh, you know what? How about this? How about we just operate in reality? How big was the, how tall and big was the real killer? And how tall and big was the little girl? Mrs. Tredoni was pretty fucking small. She I was guarantee. pretty fucking small. She was an old Italian woman. They get pretty. I mean, if you watch the Golden Girls, I mean, <laughs> Sophia's fucking tiny. I mean, she wasn't that old. <laughs> um, she was okay. She was about the same height as as Alice, uh, but she was a little bit was bigger she, than though? Alice. Are yes, they, she was. Or did they never really put him in the thing where you can actually? They never that. showed him in that, but they were close enough and yeah, at that from a distance. And you got to remember, like. Alice brought this on herself. Like, I mean, that's mm-hmm. one thing I was going to talk about in the movie discussion. I went back and I just flipped back to the beginning of the movie and I realized something that sold set up perfectly in this movie is that whenever Alice, the very first person that Alice dresses up in that get up with, with the yeah. mask and the raincoat was Mrs. Tredoni. And that's when she got the idea. I'm going to fucking destroy this family. Cause I hate, you know, cause her whole thing was about, she hated, um, that um, that the mother was moving in on Father Tom. And so <laughs> when she saw that, uh, she decided that she would uh, dress up like Alice and that get up because, I mean, yeah. that's where she got weirdo. it from. I was wondering, <laughs> yeah. I was like, where did they, like, did these two plot together? You know what? Hold on. Sorry. Change of subject. But Catherine was, like, hungry like the wolf. You think she was trying to get Father Tom that wussy? <laughs> oh yeah, she was. She was definitely after the. I mean, trying to give him a little bit of that. It was I mean, pervy. Were, there was so much yeah. perviness in this damn movie. Well, the the director came off of a porno. That I mean, is what true. Do you okay, I, that's another thing I, that I mentioned. Uh, you know, uh, I know we're getting to the discussion of the movie, but I can't help it. That scene. I mean, Niles McMaster's mentioned in the commentary for this movie that he thought the only scene in the movie for him that dragged. He loved every bit of it. Was the scene between him and Catherine whenever they were, you know, the intimate scene that they had, yeah. where it looked like they were going to get it on, or maybe they did. I don't know. It cuts away. Yeah, but that scene was filmed like a porno. Like, I mean, there was a lot of sexual tension in that scene. Like, I mean, the way that they kissed, I mean, like the, the everything, the focus on their mouths as they got close to each other. Yeah. (laughs) He was definitely taking his previous experience and putting it in this movie. Yeah. (laughs) Both literally and figuratively or whatever. So, um, so we have Mildred Clinton, (laughs) <laughs> which yeah. is hilarious that that's her last name playing Mrs. Tredoni. If you need a woman to be a psychopathic killer, you can't do any better than getting a Clinton. Yeah. I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> 
um, who is clearly jealous of Catherine, as we have discussed. Yeah. She is possessive of Father Tom, and she is the sole slasher in the movie. Maybe. Hashtag uh, maybe. <laughs> uh, and she was in the movie Serpico and Summer of Sam, as some of her other credits on IMDb. Hell of a good movie. Uh, uh that yeah I've, I've heard great things i've never i don't think i've watched either one of them to be honest i really want to watch summer of sam though that that one i mean but i've heard good things about serpico i mean it's oh, supposed to be one of the dude, you haven't seen serpico <laughs> i haven't no i'm i'm just a big al pacino fan in general so most movies he's been i've seen well you got to realize i come from a household where if it wasn't a ball game it wasn't on tv like my oh. dad did not watch anything else like if later on he eventually would put on like you know old like westerns and stuff but like i i mean seriously he would turn it to the the ocho as i like to call it you know ESPN <laughs> HBO, blank, the ocho. whatever and watch <laughs> dune buggies run around on a track just to have some kind of sport on tv that's how much he hated regular tv oh my god <laughs> which is probably some pros in that uh, well, probably, but I mean, I, uh, all of the pop culture that I picked up was as a teenager when my buddies introduced me to all this stuff. I, I kind of felt like a homeschool kid, honestly, whenever it came to that stuff. Like, I mean, I watched some of the stuff in the eighties myself, like when my dad wasn't around like the Goonies and, you know, back to the future and all that. But like when it came to like horror movies, like I didn't really like see the bulk of the good eighties ones until I was, uh, you know, <laughs> high schooler. I mean, seriously. Um, and they were still running movies at that time. That's, that's my age. That's where I'm at. <laughs> uh, on VHS, no less. No, um, no. So we have Alfonso De Noble. Yes, that is the name that he went by. Was yes. Alfonso De Noble, uh, playing Mr. Alfonso, who is the landlord, the fat bastard, and a child molester. What? I'm not even going to put that in quotation marks. He full yeah, on yeah. admits in a scene that he's going to fucking molest her if he hasn't already. Yeah. Um, I this movie has a lot of callbacks to Psycho. I I. I get heavy vibes that this was supposed to be a stand-in for Norman Bates and yeah. not the one from the movie, yes. the one from the novel that the we book. talked about that was supposed to be overweight, gross. This He fits Norman Bates from the novel, like, to a T. <laughs> Good Lord. And he's even the landlord. I mean, he's the one that's, you know, yeah. can, that that they pay for, the you know, the the, the room that they're in. Um, and, you know what, oh, man, he looks... He looks so sickly and gross too. Oh yeah, like, and, that's the, and that, that was makeup. He died two two years after making this. Oh movie yeah, he was not in good health. He was like five hundred pounds at a time when nobody was that big. Like if they were, I mean, it was very rare. I mean, like the dude had a lot of health issues. Well, he, you um, know what? There, there's a lot of things that maybe question. Just taking the context of the era the movie was made, and some of the stuff, the way the parents were acting. Which I didn't, I couldn't wrap my head around it because just understanding how the parents were in that time era, you think they would have been a little more strict. But there was a part where they give her the rent check to go pay the rent right after she does something questionable and right after a lot of what she is doing, period, is a questionable. Like the validity of can we trust her? And they give her rent money to go pay the rent. Like I was trying to wrap my head around that. I was like, why, even on today's modern standards, I wouldn't give my kid the ability to manage our rent or go pay it, even if I gave it to him to go give to somebody. Yeah, but it's hard to look back on that time period because this was right before, uh, I mean, literally right, I mean, Gen Xers, 
Well, no, it was during that time. Gen Xers were latchkey kids. I mean, this yeah. was this was before. I mean, we're uh, me and Raina are Zennials. I mean, we're you know, and I, I don't know your age, Noah, but like we're right there on the cusp. But He's we're right not there. like Gen X. We're not millennials. And uh, and a lot of the Gen X kids were they were just given free reign to do every whatever they wanted because their parents, I mean, were checked out. I mean, not by desire necessarily, but because they were. I mean. You know, there's a lot of single parents that started happening in the 70s. I mean, the, yeah, you know, she's the, a single the women, mom. I know, uh, but her mom was there. She just broke something after getting an argument with the aunt. There's already questionable stuff about her, and they turn around and give her the money. Yeah, well, she's got to go. The mom's like, I really got to go right now. So here. No, she I, doesn't. No, her mom didn't have to go. I thought she did. No. That's why I pointed well, it out. Even, even if she didn't, I got the sense that the mother was still trying to let Alice know that she was not. She didn't suspect her of yeah. anything wrongdoing. It's not even suspecting was, about the murder. It's her her interactions and the behavior for everything else around that. Yeah, the mom. But, she was not a good mom, but, Noah. But she was very, very like naive at a lot of the stuff. Oh going yeah, on in this movie. This is like, also a woman that's no crazy whatsoever that she even suspected Alice of doing anything, and Alice was weird as fuck. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, yes. I know she didn't see most of it, but damn, that scene where Alice comes downstairs with a chocolate cake to Alfonso and then like sucks her finger. Oh God, that was a, I mean, that was a rough scene to watch for me. Cause I'm just like, this clearly shows you've been molested, but on top of that, you're playing into it. It's okay. She's 19. Everybody. <laughs> it was gross. Um, it was grody. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, we have and rounding out the cast is Rudolph Wilrick, who plays Father Tom, uh, who's getting that wussy. Uh, yeah. Potentially attracted to Catherine. They had something going on. Uh, seemingly nice guy. Uh, and he roundabout gave permission to Tredoni to kill people. And I'm not even kidding when he said when he's sitting there in that confession booth and he's talking to her. He whether he want I mean, he didn't do it deliberately. Don't yeah. get me wrong. But when he told her that she was helping people go to heaven, basically, is the, the discussion they had. She took that as a sign from God that she needs to yeah. keep on killing people. I was you know, it's funny because when you when now that you're saying that and I heard that, I'm like, am I picking up what's being thrown down? I feel like it like she's being forgiven for murdering. Essentially, and I guess that's kind of in a roundabout way what was happening without, I mean, unbeknownst, of course, to Father Tom, who Father Tom uh, was not, he's not qualified to be a father technically in the eyes of Catholicism, but I think that Father Tom is what a good priest could be if we allowed priests to have relationships so they would quit fucking little boys. <laughs> and this is coming from a Catholic. So I'm just saying, like, they, they should be allowed to have relationships so that they can be a little bit more rounded and not have to fucking hide sexual desire. Yeah, it's funny because I, I remember reading, and I, and I could be wrong about this, but I remember or at least hearing about it, that there was a time period in the Catholic uh, religion's history where they tried that for a bit, and they let the priests uh, marry, and things seemed to be going good for a while, but then there was some kind of deal where one of the popes got pissed off about it and then changed it all back. Yeah, I know <sighs> that. Well, and I could see that absolutely happening because you can be, um, I want to say you could be a cardinal, uh, or a, I'm trying to think, you just can't be the highest of ranks, so you can't be married and be the Pope, and there's certain levels that you can't be and be married, and yeah, I could totally see the Pope being like, well, he gets to, 
he gets that wussy and I don't. Fuck that. <laughs> yeah, they, they use the excuse of saying, or well, isn't it like that they, they say that because Jesus didn't and therefore they can't or something that effect. It's like they got to hold herself to that same standard. But I, I don't know. I, I've just read too much and all that. And I, I tend to believe more along the lines of some of the dead, me personally, the Dead Sea Scroll stuff that kind of hinted that Mary Magdalene and Jesus had, you know, a relationship that wasn't put in the Bible. You know, oh, yeah. um, and, and, and I feel like that the Catholics hold themselves to a standard that didn't even exist. Yeah. Cause I mean, I'm not saying that Jesus, he might not have had sex with Mary, but he had a romantic relationship with Mary Magdalene. As I mean, well, he should have, you know, yeah. human <laughs> desire. I mean, without it, would we not have the population that we have? I'm just saying, you know, you want. Well, just, just ask the Shakers. They have a village here that's abandoned <laughs> for clear reasons in Kentucky because they didn't fuck. And you, when you tell people when they get in the church, it's like, oh, we want you in our church, but you can't ever have sex or procreate. Then they're going to say, peace out. I, I'm done with you. Yeah. Oh, my God. You, and you don't have any. You can't make any more. Oh, my God. Which is, okay, fine. That's fine. Maybe they shouldn't be procreating if that's how they think, so. <laughs> you just wonder how many people of those are like, you, you can't do this. And like so many others are like going and getting prostitutes and fucking those oh, women or it's, 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 they, I mean, and I discussed with somebody else. I think that's the reason that so there's so many stories about nuns being, you know, violent to a lot of the, the, the kids in Catholic schools is because that sexual frustration comes yes. out somewhere or the other. I'm serious. I really think that's where it stems from. It's like they, they don't have any outlet for it. So they, I mean, they have to, and cause it's human nature. I mean, yeah. we are, we can't get around that. Well, total tangent now, but we're, we're there. Is that, okay. You, another hidden thing in the Catholic church that nobody talks about. And it's not that nobody's talking about because clearly it has been talked about, but not to the degree of, of priests mishandling little boys. What about the nuns that are sexual harassing the children as well. And the nuns that are in lesbian relationships. And, oh, yeah, there's a lot of that. Yeah. You know, and that's the nuns. Sort of hinted at, at least. Yeah. And the nuns that are having relationships with other priests, you know, under thing. What I, I think that should be acceptable. But I mean, they have to hide everything. Everything has to be in the closet. It does not go very well, you know? It's it's funny. There, I mean, it's not a great movie, but there's a movie out there called The Little Hours that's got uh, Aubrey Plaza um, and uh, it's uh, and and Dave Franco, uh, Allison Brie. Uh, there's a, there's a few of them, and and of course uh, Aubrey Plaza and Allison Brie both look amazing. They're they're supposed to be nuns in a convent out in the the hills or whatever. But the movie does a great job of showing how fucking horny they are. Oh God! It's a, it's a dark comedy, and Dave Franco's like this guy who gets taken there uh they they he, he gets in trouble because he's like a lecherous type or whatever noble and he gets a lot of heat put on him so somebody pays for him to go to that convent and hide out for a while till the heat dies down and they they portray him as like a blind monk or something so he's supposed to like so that he doesn't tempt the women that's there but like of course the, and there's one other uh i can't remember the the actress's name uh who's the other comedian but like the three of them obviously start getting like super horny and hot for him and the whole movie just generates in like this pansexual like love fest or whatever toward the end because they it's like they you know threw a match in a fire you know it's like or you know into dry kindling like they had no <laughs> choice that you know with what was being presented to them at that point oh my god <laughs> 
the movie's not that good because it should be a lot funnier than it is, but it's just interesting to see them go. I mean, they, Aubrey Plaza goes with appropriate to her batshit crazy in the movie. She starts like doing these like weird BDSM rituals, like trying to summon <laughs> Satan of all what of all fuck? people or, or you know creatures trying to you know have her away with Dave Franco. Oh my god. <laughs> um. Synopsis for this film. When young Karen Spages is found brutally murdered during the course of her first communion, all signs point to her disturbed and jealous sister, Alice. Incapable of uh, believing their daughter would commit such a crime, Dom and Catherine pursue their own investigation into the crime as Alice undergoes psychiatric evaluation. A creepy doll mask, multiple stabbings, a fat piece of shit molester, and throat cutting ensues. Uh body count for this movie. There's only four people that dies in this movie. Uh, Karen, uh, obviously killed in the very first scenes of the movie. Uh, and man, man, they did a pretty good job of, I mean, uh, uh, Tradani even set fire to her to make it even that much. Yes. Worse. Like, damn. Holy shit. She was brutally murdered. Uh, and a little girl, like, I mean, and Dom, uh, is killed next. I mean, in a very, I mean, uh, that's in the trivia, but like, I'll bring it up now. <clears throat> Uh, the director uh, said that he wanted every uh, kill in this movie to be felt by the audience. And he was watching some kind of Western or something at the time that he, uh, that he was while he was making this. And he noticed that even though multiple people were dying left and right in this Western, just getting shot, you know, stabbed, whatever, that nobody in the audience reacted one bit to any of it until one character spit in another character's mouth, like directly spit in their mouth. And that's what got the audience to like groan and cringe and stuff. And it made him think it's like when you get stabbed, you see somebody stabbed in a chest in a movie, like nobody really knows what that feels like. But he said, everybody has stubbed their toe. Everybody has had mouth pain. So that's why Dom of all people gets his fucking lips and teeth beat in before he dies. Yeah, that was a good one. And that's the reason that uh, the sister, uh, the, the, you know, the aunt, as it were, she gets stabbed in the foot because, you know, he specifically wanted to be something you could feel. Yes. Okay. That makes sense. (laughs) Uh, we have Alfonso die, thank goodness. Yes. Uh, if anybody in the movie needed to, it was his sleazy fat And that ass. death and did not father... come soon enough. <laughs> uh, yeah, he should have been tortured before he died. And then Father Tom uh, uh, gets his throat slit at the end of the movie. In front of a crowd <laughs> of people. <laughs> now, here's where I'm going to throw some trivia out. So that scene where Father Tom gets his throat slit uh-huh. while they were filming that, Linda Miller, who played, you know, the mother, you know, uh-huh. the one we've been talking about, the hot mom, walked into the church with no warning to anybody while they were filming, trying to film uh, maybe even that scene, like it's not specified, but maybe that scene and slices her own fucking wrist in front of everybody. The actress did. On purpose? And has to be rushed to the hospital. She did that on purpose? She was supposedly going through a nervous breakdown. <gasps> And that's part of the reason why through the rest of the movie, you see her with those classy gloves that you swear back in that time, because yeah. she still had, she still had sutures. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Holy fuck, uh, dude. Yeah. They yeah, let the her complete director. the film. Yeah. Yeah. They, 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 they just looked, I mean, soul described it. He said, she walked in, she did it. It took us a second to even realize what had happened. And then we rushed her to the hospital and they completed the, she completed the film. They stitched her up and she came back. Holy shit, dude. Uh, 
<laughs> he said it was the weirdest fucking thing he's ever seen uh, in your, his life. Your he said they were thing. Ju- <laughs> <laughs> fucking uh, crazy. I see she was too hot for her own good. She was too crazy uh, and, and you know, and, and added to the hot scale. That is correct. Okay, it's starting to make me understand those people that are like, I'm too good looking and I can't get a job. You know what? I'm starting to believe them. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the probably people are picking up on the crazy vibe from Yeah. Them. I just, I, when I heard that trivia, I'm like, oh my God, that's insane. Um, so let's discuss this movie. Uh, not getting the ratings necessarily, but I dig this movie. I really was surprised by it. It it has no right to be as good as it is, in my opinion. Um, for the budget they filmed it on, it's very well put together. He gets creative with some of the, I mean, talking about the visuals, like he does some camera work in the movie. That's like, you know, um, that's, that's, you know, got like an artsy vibe to it and kind of adds to the scenes like without, you know, it's not, it's not like a Kevin Smith movie. I'm not throwing Kevin Smith under the bus besides the fact he's a little, you know, a little whining bitch anymore. But, um, when you watch a Kevin Smith movie, it's like very like static camera movements. This guy actually, you know, I, I don't know if he took that from the porn experience he had, but he did like change the camera up several times, change the angles. You know, he, yeah. he, there's a scene where, that stood out to me where Alice is or where, you know, Alice's mom is hugging her while she's in that, you know, mental facility or whatever she's being held in juvie. And, uh, and then it pans up and it shows the two of them from like directly over top, you know, it kind of pans away so you can see them. Just stuff like that is all throughout the movie. And I, I think that, you know, he did a good job of making the camera, not like static. Cause that, that's the automatic thing to me that makes me, feel like a movie's cheaper is whenever you don't have good like you know it, it feels more like a soap opera or something if it's like static cameras that don't really move or anything yeah um the lighting was pretty good in the movie i yeah. mean i don't i don't recall any i mean it didn't feel cheap um alfonso he had like a, a thin sheen of sweat at any given Ugh. time it was just like oh just gross he did <laughs> um the blood was well done. I mean, the stabbings, they're, yeah. they're not the, they're not the goriest or best effects, but they're effective for what little they put into the movie. Better um, than the other movie we watched. So that I'll give it that. <laughs> uh, and, um, I don't, I mean, I, and I thought the acting was pretty good for most people, especially the, the, I mean, we just probably the reason why was because she was older, but the actress for, uh, Alice, I mean, you cast a movie with a kid as the the main actor or actress you're asking for it i mean you're nine times out of ten i mean you know you can end up with a kid like we discussed in stir of echoes it's not very good i mean every once in a while you'll find a Haley joe osmond but i mean that isn't common and well, i think they did a good thing by getting an older actor yes to play the younger kid well, I know Brooke Shields wasn't very, um, she wasn't in the movie very long, but she was an effective kid actress. She, she, she felt like a kid. Yeah. I mean, well, she was, for, you know, like she, she had that like childlike nature about her. Yes, very much so. Um, and it worked and she, I think she did a good job. I think she, she, under, she, she understood the assignment. There we go. Let's just leave it at that. Yeah. Uh, even though uh, it, and it was a very small one, so it's not like she had to keep her attention for very long. So I'll give her that. I I actually enjoy the get up they had for the killer. I thought that was a good yeah. use of, of I mean the and that was another thing I noticed watching the movie back. <clears throat> 
that costume was the reason that 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 costume was the one that Tredoni used was because every and they present it in the movie. It's cheaply available to her. She has the raincoats because she goes to the same church. That's yeah. where that raincoat came from. And the mask. There's a scene where Alice is going by the store that sells the mask. So it's right there near them. Like yeah. that's where she found the mask at. Um, and and but it's effective. It's cheap, but it's effective. It, it's it's. I, I think it's a. I mean, amongst some of the other slashers, it's actually an iconic look. I'm surprised it didn't like. I think this movie kind of came and went for its time period because it was it was right in between like the religious movies of like the omen and all that, which speaking of that, that, that end scene where Alice looks at the camera and smiles, totally rip off omen. I don't care what soul wants to say about it. I got heavy omen vibes from it. Yeah. Uh, you know, the creepy kid smiling at the camera, but, um, it was right in between the religious, you know, movies that we got away from and right before the slashers. And I think that's the reason it didn't do as well, but soul, uh, wants to remake this movie like he's still in process of trying to get like his nephew to uh, be the director and remake it and I think it could possibly do well if they did a modern remake of it yeah I think so too I don't know that they're going to be able to pull off some of the scenes that they did regardless if they they'll use, have to change the story you know yeah regardless if they use Jenna Ortega or not <laughs> <laughs> she couldn't pull off the ugly duckling character though i mean that's one thing that i'll give this actress i mean i'm not meaning in a bad way but she did have that the i don't know how to phrase this without sounding horrible but like that look that like you know uh you know like a girl would get like that's just started period and like yeah. she's like you know the, the pre-acne like she just kind of like not uh, not looking her best is the biggest the best way i can describe it like and the actress you know fit that part like she totally was upstaged by her sister brooke shields you know definitely was the the prettier of the two children okay well then jenna ortega can play the eight-year-old <laughs> well sadly she probably could <laughs> today's eight-year-olds oh my god that's a well, horror that story true. oh my that is god. true the young kids today and what they're doing uh the joan benane ramsey effect yeah uh oh my god um, music uh i i there's a couple of pieces that uh steven lawrence put in this that i think were were good musical things when you go back and listen to them there's there's i was watching the the blu-ray and they they had it and they singled it out so i got to hear it a little bit better there it's it's almost like a child's lullaby mixed yeah. in with like you know an orchestral thing and it works yes. uh but he totally steals from psycho in one scene and he admitted it he straight up admitted it he said that scene where tradoni is stabbing uh, at Dom on the stairwell, when you hear the yeah, that is he he straight up lifted from Psycho. Oh, okay, way to go, loser! <laughs> way to so, be original. But, <clears throat> well, and there's even the reference in the movie if you saw it, where Father Tom is like standing. I think it's right before the the funeral for Dom, or right after they got back from it. He's standing next to a Psycho like poster. Oh yeah, like, I mean. They couldn't even make it more obvious. It's like, okay, Psycho clearly influenced this movie. Oh, my goodness. Um, it did. <laughs> and that's why I wanted to include it for the next movie, you know, after Psycho, because it is definitely the next in line after as far as, like, its influences. Yeah. Um, I don't know what, I mean, you have anything to add as far as, like, some of the other stuff, like, you know, what what you thought about the, the acting by the, the people in the movie or the visuals or anything like that? Um, I think that everyone played their role very well um, in terms of Catherine playing the hot psycho single mom or a hot crazy single mom 
uh, the daughter playing the crazy kid. And granted, she was an adult playing it, so it makes sense. Um, I, I don't, I don't know that you could. I mean, maybe nowadays because kids weren't really as exposed, especially like maybe a more privileged child that's going to be a child actor. They're not going to be exposed to the macabre unless they're in a movie role. But this girl was already a woman technically, so she probably had yeah. more life experience to apply to the role. Um, the ch- crazy church lady right off the bat, I was like, she's a psycho. And I was like, oh, she's just being nice, you know? And I'm like, oh, she's fucking, I don't know. I don't like her. I don't trust her. I'm Catholic. I've seen these women. <laughs> I know how they work. Um, the dad being the, you know, not only doting dad, but still clearly attracted to his ex-wife. You kind of get that vibe a lot. They're, they're a little extra huggy, you know? A little too long he, and everything. He totally didn't want to take that phone call from his current wife. Oh, he did he not. Did want not. To take that at yeah, all. that was a that was a good awkward phone call. I loved that scene. <laughs> and and oh my god, if looks could kill, that man would have been stabbed to death by his ex wife because she was fucking livid when he's like, "I love you too," real fast. He's like, "I love you too." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He. Oh my god. And if I was his wife on the other end, I'd be like, "Fuck it. Who are you with? Who are you with?" <laughs> Well, I mean, he was sporting wood, you know, from from his uh, ex or whatever. They, I mean, they were on the verge of fucking right whenever yeah. they, he got cockblocked. So, I mean, you know, that is what it is. He looked like Ron Burgundy in the newsroom where he clearly has. <laughs> uh, it's just yeah. the angle. Um, okay. Also, I mean. Tridoni, I mean, the, the actress that played her, I mean, I feel like she did a pretty good job of, yeah. you know, like the, the scene where, uh, and I like how they did that, where they hinted at her past. Like, I don't know. I mean, they, oh, they yeah. basically that she lost her daughter at her, at her first communion. Mm-hmm. And that's what drove her to hate, you know, the because she sees Catherine and it's like she sees what she could have had, you know, but now, but it's all gone. Yeah. Um, and God, she really thinks Catherine is a whore. Like, Catherine's... Well, I guess because Catherine is a little close with Father Tom. That, and she was divorced in a time period that yes. was just... I mean, that still was not... I mean, you know, acceptable by the Catholic Church. If Even if it was, you know, secularly, it was, you know, being a little bit more, you know, rampant. That was... I mean, she hated her for being, you know, divorced from her husband. Yeah. She hated that. And apparently hated the husband for divorcing her, which... I mean, she just had a lot of hate in her heart, which, uh, whatever. I don't know. It's okay because she's sitting on the heavens, so don't worry about it. Yeah. Uh, Mr. (laughs) Alfonso, um, I mean, it felt like there wasn't a lot of acting involved, which is sad. That's the scary part. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like that he wasn't really putting on a part. Uh, when I was watching that, I was like, they literally got a molester yeah. off the street. And starring as himself. And it's weird because I was reading <laughs> articles about him because obviously he died shortly after this film. But like they're like, you know, he shouldn't have been cast in this role because it cast him as a bad person. And really, he was a good person in real life. He might have been, but he didn't. I mean, like, I don't know. Look at his face. <laughs> I've got some trivia about how he met the director. You'll be interesting in or interested in whenever you hear it. So. I think I might know, but yeah, I'll, I'll yeah, okay, we'll get to that. But anyways, <laughs> let's let's move forward. Uh, you want to go ahead in the trivia? I mean, yeah. we're at that point. Yeah, so. let's do it. So Paula E. Shepard, who played twelve-year-old Alice, was nineteen. Like I said, what? Uh, Alfonso Alfonso De Noble wasn't a professional actor at the time. 
He was working as a bouncer at a bar at night and hung around New Jersey cemeteries <laughs> during the day, portraying himself as a Catholic bishop and offering prayers for the dead. Oh, for my God. <laughs> Suckers. Uh, well, they, uh, the thing is, is that Alfred soul mentions that even though some people got took by this, a lot of people knew and they still paid him because it was almost like they were getting, you know, absolution for their debt or whatever. You know, I don't, I don't know the whole Catholic thing when it comes to that, but like they, they, they even knew he was a fake and they were like, well, it wouldn't hurt, you know, if if he says a prayer, but um, obviously he has good intentions. But that's how director Alfred Soule met him was because years earlier, after the passing of his father, Soule wanted uh, or met Alfonso. Alfonso tried to run the scam on him. It's like, I'll pray for your dad. And he kept that in mind, and when, and he kept wanting to be in a, an A movie that he made. And then whenever this part came up, he's like, he's weird enough he'd fit. So that's yeah. why he's in the role. Um, I knew about him working at a bouncer. He was a bouncer at a gay bar. I did not know about the uh, the Pray for the Dead. Yeah, he almost reminds me of a character from a John Waters movie, and I mean that with the nicest sincerity to him. But can you not imagine him being, you know, like one of the transvestite characters? No, that's exactly what I thought. I had to look him up because I thought he was. I thought he was in. Oh my god, I forgot what movie. Um, I thought he was in Baby or uh, I'm trying to think some of the other ones. Uh, The one. What was the one that they did remake with John Travolta where he was? uh, Hairspray. Hairspray, yes, yes. Hairspray would have been a perfect movie. I'm thinking of a more. um, (laughs) I'm thinking of a more. You're probably thinking of that John Waters movie where he literally has a uh, one of the the gay transvestite characters eat a a, a piece of dog shit in the movie. No. That really happened. John Waters really had that in one of his films. I can't even remember the name of it now. But. Oh God, um, no, it's a really old one. It's a it's a very weird one. I really don't think we should be discussing it on Death Holler. Um, <laughs> anyways, let's move forward. Uh, this film debut of Brooke Shields. She was a. Uh, child model i believe before this she was and maybe she had done like you know a couple of like advertisements or something you know ads because that was a lot of thing you know child actors would do ads for like cereal and stuff like that but this was her first act actual acting job uh brooke shields um, yeah brooke shields okay. yeah uh, this film takes place in the early 60s, and one scene, a photo of President John F. Kennedy is shown hanging on a wall, and a 1961 calendar is shown in the detective squad room. So even though it's it was filmed Hell in 76, yeah. it's actually With in the a 60s. a lot of titties. Yeah, he did see a lot of, uh, he's like, there's a lot of naked wa- women on the wall. Yeah, like, <laughs> and not only that, but I was just thinking, this is probably way more accurate than people realize. So if you think about it, if this was set in the 60s, that's even more likely that Tredani would hate the fuck out of her for divorce because that's even less common in the 60s. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're you're talking about, I mean, there was a big change between the, you know, like uh, culture-wise between the two of them. Yeah. Two decades. Uh, TriStar Pictures was set to release the movie as Communion uh, and even helped release a novelization of the movie under that same name but they dropped the film due to undisclosed financial reasons. Soul said something to the effect of what he could get out of it was that somebody was skimming money in the company or something, so they just didn't have the money to distribute it. So what they did was they sold it to an allied artist. Oh, shit. Um, 
But Allied Artists demanded a title change because they didn't think the, the name Communion was that good. So they uh, that's the reason that they, they changed and they wanted it called Alice Sweet Alice. That was their title they came up with. I think it's more menacing with Alice Sweet Alice. I think Communion does sound like some kind of religious film, and it isn't. It is a huge factor in the film in terms of just one particular character and her whole reasoning, but it doesn't make the whole film. Yeah, I think Alice Sweet Alice fits it better because it gives you more of that stalkerish, you know, yeah. uh, vibe that it's got to it. Um, original prints of the film had the title credits with the animated painting of Alice holding the knife that newer digital copies of the film have, but the original title letter still said Communion, which was edited in 98 to comply with the name under which it would be mar- marketed. Funny thing is, though, is that Arrow Video, the one that I watched, they went back and restored it, so even though you're... It, freaked the fuck out of me. I thought I was watching the wrong movie because I started watching it and it got to the title scene and it said communion. And I was like, wait, I thought I was watching Alice. Yeah. Alice. What? I didn't know anything about the name change. Hmm. Um, it was shown theatrically in Wisconsin and Florida as the mask murders for one week in 77. <laughs> so it had another title that I didn't even mention. Oh my God. Uh, the mask murders. It was partially inspired by the film Don't Look Now from 73, especially the usage of the yellow raincoats, <clears throat> which if you didn't know what that movie's about, that's uh, Donald Sutherland and his wife have just lost their daughter. They go to Europe to kind of get away from, you know, all the reminders. And he starts seeing like, he, he swears them down, his daughter is there. Like he thinks he's seeing her ghost. And uh, it turns out that it's like this old midget in a yeah. raincoat, which is fu- funny because it's pretty close to this movie in that yeah. sense. <laughs> wonderful uh, another, go ahead no i just said wonderful like you just yeah yeah and the, all this predated orphan you know before oh you know, yeah there's something wrong with esther you know it's like yeah it's a 40 year old woman playing a uh, a little girl there's something definitely wrong with the people who thinks that this works as a movie but i'll not get into that we yeah. can throw that into human horror at some point um <clears throat> another influence was psycho uh uh, like I mentioned, there's the the poster of the film in one scene, uh, the sampling of the psycho score straight up in the scene where, you know, Dom is getting stabbed. Um, just And then even Alfonso, I, he has to be based on Norman Bates, like the original version of him. He just fits too well. Yeah. Uh, the knife used in the film was created by Alfred Soule's neighbor, who was an engineer and was, and was also designed with a retractable blade. It was the only knife used in the film. Uh, and the filmmakers never made any duplicates. Oh, okay. Funny thing, fun, funny thing is, though, when they filmed that scene where Tredani is stabbing Dom on the stairwell, there's a scene where that knife sticks into the, the hand railing. Oh, yeah. They had to film, they had to film that scene like 30 times because they didn't have a backup knife, and it dropped all the way down every time. And so Soul had to run down the steps, grab the knife, and hand it back to him, and they had to do this like 30 times in a row. I, I would have got another knife at that point. Yeah. What the... <laughs> I don't care how cheap it was to not, you know, I, I was like, sorry, we're or buying another knife. do a cut scene <laughs> where you hear the knife stick, and then when you pan back to the area, the knife is stuck in because somebody just went bloop right into it. That's what most people would do in that sense, and that would have saved them a lot of times, but he wanted it directly to fall into the railing. He wanted oh. it to be, you know, all natural, as it were. Organic. Shut <laughs> up. Uh, uh, Linda Miller slid her wrist, like I said. Oh, God, that's insane. The the psycho, uh, the the psycho single mom, I should say, the crazy hot single mom. Uh, at some point, she lost her shit in in the middle. She was going through some shit, and she 
No, Cut. she lost her shit at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, at the that's beginning. the thing. Those scenes, even though they were at the beginning and the end of the movie, mm-hmm. they filmed those first because they only had access to that church for like a day. Oh, okay. She So that was very first day of filming that she fucking slit her wrist. Yeah, walked into the church and in front of everybody and there slit her fucking wrist in front of everybody. And the they mom? took her to the hospital. Yes, they took her to the hospital and she was fine and they she went back to filming and filmed the rest of the film. What the fuck? Yeah. And that's what yep. I told Reverend Isaac. She's too hot for her own good. She's too crazy. Nobody had any questions. Oh yeah, Soul had printed plenty of questions, but he's like, he said he was so shocked by it. He didn't know what he said for a second. They just stood there. They didn't know what to do. Just, she just she didn't didn't even scream. Didn't even say anything. She just walked up and deliberately. I mean, she she slit slat side to side. So that shows it was more of a cry for help than it was like an actual attempt. But she wanted them to see, so she held her hands out as she did it, so they could see it. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> What'd she say about it? Uh, I don't. He never mentioned what she had to say about it. They, he just, he said that she got stitched up, came back, filmed the movie, and that was it. That's all he would say about and it. And I'm sure she doesn't talk about it. I mean, nobody talked about it. You don't want like, to talk yeah. about that low point in your life where. <laughs> Wow. Uh, so Soul had to stop and start the filming of the movie several times in order to raise more money for the production. Oh shit! Uh, it was. Yeah, it was stretched from uh, 1975 into 76 due to this and other issues. Uh, and, well, one of the issues was is that uh, uh, Soul contracted hepatitis during the filming of the movie. He didn't say what type, whether mm. it was food-based or otherwise, <laughs> but he was he was throwing up almost constantly while trying Ooh. to film this. Dang. So there, there was that. Probably got hepatitis um, C. <laughs> what's that? I said he probably got hepatitis C. He probably, he might have, I don't know. I mean, I'm not, I, I don't know. He never mentioned what type he had, but he had, you know, a version that made him really sick. When did he die? Um, uh, he's still alive. Oh, he's not yellow or anything. Is he? No, it's, no, they, they've they actually got a cure for hep C now. It costs an arm and a leg, but they actually have a cure for it. Uh, okay. Uh, <clears throat> but they only came out with it in like the last, I want to say five years or something. Um, and uh, anyways, so basically what he was doing to fund this movie was he, he borrowed a bunch from his rich friends that I talked about. You know, they, they knew that he was already, he already made money for him before, $12 million. So they was willing, definitely willing to fund this one. And, but it, when the longer he got in production and the more he decided to add to the movie, he, he was like, all right, we're out now. We're going to have to go back. And he would go back to his friends and raise some more money and come back. And then they would film on that for a bit and then find out that still wasn't enough. So it was just stop, start, stop, Damn. start. And they did that for up to a year. This movie almost didn't get made. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> or finished, I should say. The funny thing is, despite the fact it took a year to film, they only filmed for 20 actual days. <laughs> Holy so shit. So it took, it took a year of 20 days of total uh, to, to get this movie out. That's got to be so annoying for the actors. Like, you just never I don't know, know how when they keep in to... character for that long. Yeah, yeah big time. Oh, my God, no. Uh, um, so many issues with weekend. the cameraman they hired for the film. Uh, he stated that the cameraman was one of those know-it-alls, that uh, every shot that Soul had planned was second-guessed. Basically, every time he went to film a scene, he told the cameraman where to stand and how to film it. The cameraman was like, you know, really, actually, if you want to get this the right way, um, you need to be, and he, he said he had to, he had to constantly like say, no, we're doing it this fucking way. And that's how we're doing it. Um, he had to fight every single time to get the, the, the scene film the way that he wanted. Holy shit. 
He said that if he had the money to afford a better cameraman, he would have, but he was, you know, obviously strapped for cash. Driver picks the music, <laughs> shotgun shuts its cake hole. The dri- the cameraman is the is the fucking shotgun. Like you just need to there's a director for a reason. I mean, there is such a thing as like director of photography, like, you know, helping a director get better shots, but I've never seen one outright tell a director you're stupid, like yeah. you describe this guy, you know. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, Soul cites the stairwell attack on Annie as his favorite sequence in the film. Uh, That's where I mentioned earlier that he specifically chose the foot because the audience could empathize with it. Um, uh, Lawrence uh, uh, said his inspiration for the film score, particularly the opening title tracks, was his imagining of a cloud of bad karma hovering over the setting of Patterson, New Jersey, and raining down upon the city. So he wanted it kind of like they were... Just, I mean, to kind of make it feel like the the gloom was setting in upon everybody involved, and you know that's kind of where mentally he was at for the movie. <clears throat> and the scene where Dom is attacked by the killer in the stairway at the begin uh, at abandoned building, uh, that was the scene with the knife where they drop it. It took yeah. after it was twenty times. I'm sorry, I misspoke. Oh, 10 less times. Uh, it landed on the it didn't uh, land on the handrail right, and they had to reshoot it, which was dumb. They should have just filmed it in reverse or something and been done with it yeah uh there is a scene halfway through the film where alice grabs a kitten by the neck twists it in the air and then throws it toward the floor out of the camera shot this was cut from the british version of the film due to strict animal abuse laws in the uk they they were fine with everybody getting stabbed that was human but don't throw that don't that was mean and i was like that fucking legit happened too yeah, they. she really threw that cat in that scene. So, I mean, they didn't have the money to afford like a fake or anything. I wanted to kick her right in the wussy. <laughs> uh, Alice and Miss Trudani's translucent face mask with the eyeshadow and red lipstick were popular Halloween items for children during the 50s. Uh, masks produced to be sold in dime stores. And they are pretty popular now thanks to uh, The Purge. <laughs> yeah, that is true. It does look like a Purge mask. Yeah. Uh, it almost looks like the mask they use in uh, Happy Death Day, which we will be covering at some oh, point yes. this season. Uh, ratings. Let's cover the ratings for this movie. All right. Um, I'll go first. And for me, it was... Well, I don't want to give away any more reasoning for this, but it was a three out of five for me. I don't like older films. Um, this one, I, I stayed awake for this one because I watched both films we're reviewing together, and this was the second that I watched and no, I, good. and I, I stayed awake now. I mean, th- there was, there was things about the film that annoyed me, but this is, this is, this is different times. This is a different time era. Um, and I guess at the end of the day, it's things that added to the film. Um, for me, a three is pretty good and it's, it's not even on the snooze fest rate like scale because I did not fall asleep. I don't, I think I looked at my phone maybe once or twice and for very short amounts of time, if at all. That is surprising for you. Yeah. For sure. So I don't know what it was. I'm in the, I'm in a weird purgatory where I'm like, okay, the movie, uh, I watched the whole film. I made it through it. I don't hate it. I don't think I'd watch it again. Um, it was definitely good for its time. And, and I have to remind myself this, this is kind of an introduction into slashers. So uh, I will give it this 100% though. Stab scenes way better than another film we're going to review. And so that the blood looked a lot more realistic and everything. <laughs> okay. 
What do you think about it, Noah? I I give it a three out of five. My biggest gripe about the movie is the way they they portrayed. If you take the context of how Catholic parents were about thirty years ago, forty years ago, they were super strict, and they didn't, e- e- even if it was a single mom, they would have been strict. The church would have been heavily involved too, mm-hmm. in being strict. You're talking about back in the era where they could still beat kids at school. Yeah, and to see this, their daughter act and uh, as unruly and uh, as a disassociated as everybody is with the kid, to me, it didn't make any sense. Like I was trying to. That was that's my biggest gripe about the movie. Other than that, like with the detectives having the the girlies up in the room, that that seemed like a realistic error and and or a thing that would happen. But something with the, I didn't like how the mom was so disconnected from the equation. Like to me, that didn't make sense. How can you be so structured that you're taking your kids to a Catholic church and always doing all these Catholic type of things? But you being an un, like over the top bearing parent isn't part of that. Well, because okay, I can answer that, especially for this time era. She was a single mom, and the church was the type of a community that gave. So you in those days, they were giving them food, they were giving them clothing. Uh, kids probably went to the school for free, honestly, if unless the dad was forking over money, which he may have. Um, it, so it was like that was how they kept people in the church. Even crazy people. And I'm starting to think more and more that the mom had some sort of disorder. No, I, I, think, that, that, I think that marks off. I think in the 80s that might be true, but in the 60s and 70s, the church was way more stricter and m- more was, people yeah. were more religious and didn't put up with shit like that. So even though, like, how did people in her community not step up? How, like, I, there's a lot of follow up questions. They did. Miss Trudoni stepped up. <laughs> I, I, there's things like that, that 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 I find inconsistency with the story time frame. Like there's a lot of things that do make sense, and there's things like that. Like I don't know about that. If if the church wasn't involved and there was somebody else, I I'd give this the story more weight. But the fact that you have the church involved, it would be way more stricter. I think. The da- I feel like the dad didn't have any any fucking clue what was going on. The mom was trying to cover up so much shit. Yes, I really think she had some kind of disorder that maybe passed down to her daughter. It's not said, it's not spelt out, but I mean, couldn't you agree that it maybe implies it a little bit? I I think that's true. I I, I would take that position, but they didn't do. They didn't have any diagnosis for back in that day either. I know. I I understand that. And the thing is, too, if you got to remember, is that a lot of the stuff that was happening with Alice happened outside of her purview because there was that that scene where Alice, which is something I didn't bring up, there's uh, that I want to bring up right now that I just remembered. So there's a there's several hints in the movie that the killer was somebody else, like right from oh, the get yeah. go, because there's the scene where. Um, the youngest daughter follows Alice into that where abandoned warehouse where she keeps all of her, you know, her supplies, you know, the roaches and all the other shit that she's got. That's weird. And, um, Alice takes off one mask and underneath it is this like hag's face, like this old woman's face. That oh, right there yeah. is like they're telling you the end of the movie, like without telling you, you know. And then there's the fact that the doll that that you know the younger daughter has that Alice eventually gets has two faces to it. So there's that hint, you know, that they kind of throw in there. But um, all that stuff happens in that abandoned building, and she and t- she threatens her younger sister. She said, "I will, you know, I, I think she says along the lines, mom better not find out, or you know, there's going to be problems.'" you know that that she has all that shit there so like the only thing that the 
mom saw was the the daughter acting out every time that you know she was the younger sister was getting you know attention which is something that you could understand you know that happens you know that's there's nothing like out of the way toward that it's like you know alice was enough of a sociopath that she was hiding that shit from her mom to where her mom wasn't seeing a lot of it. Yeah, but the church was aware of it because they were trying to tell the dad about it. So if the church is aware and they try to tell the dad, that means they've tried to tell the mom. Yeah, that's true, yeah, but, but it's I, not I getting through the to the mom. Being in denial about yeah, it. mom well, she was in complete denial. Yeah, their mom I've was. I've seen so many. I've seen so many moms like forgive their like kids for bad behavior. I mean, and that's not like a common thing. That's not like our generation. That that goes back. I mean, there's there's stories about killers from the you know like the even farther back than this where they coddled their children and anytime oh, that yeah. you know the, the 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 kid was found with like mutilated animals or anything, they said no, that can't be little Johnny or whoever. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's, look it, at Jason Voorhees' mom, Mrs. Voorhees. Maybe I'm just it wrong it, it was hard to, for me to make that jump like just I, I, that was the hardest thing i don't think i got sold enough on on that part of it i was just trying to watch this and i was, and I was just thinking about how strict a lot of the religious people were that i knew growing up and i'm just and that was just like christians and catholics are way more stricter so it was hard for me to make that jump to think that they would just let that stuff skate let me tell you what i experienced in the 80s going to a catholic church they were very, the church people are very, oh, poor Mrs. So-and-so, her husband left her, and she's divorced. Like, oh, the, you know, the drama, and oh, they shouldn't be like that. But he left her, and, you know, now she's on her own, and she's raising those poor kids, so we got to help. She's yeah. also a whore. Like, they, they'd be but, like, but oh, the but she's is, a whore, oh, you yeah, know? They, but, they'd low-key, like, be casting stones. But yeah. the, the thing is, though, is if you were a shitty kid, Everybody would be aware of it, and they'd be fucking in your face about it. Maybe. Nowadays, they're not so much in your face. They're kind of like, they're way no, more past. No, back in the day, they kind of would like, I know there'd be some people that would get involved, a.k.a. like Miss Tredoni, like the, the, the school teachers would get involved to, to the point where they could. Obviously, there was beatings in the schools that were allowed and things like that. But, yeah, more than anything, like the people that wanted to give a good face were like, oh, we got to help her. She's a whore. You know, oh, her daughter's a slut. You know, like. Uh, it, and, it we, was, and, and we don't have enough context, I would argue, in this in the course of this movie to yeah. see how much the church actually saw of Alice's behavior. I mean, yes, they saw some of the weirdness, but I'm sure she compartmentalized that and hid that away or the worst of it away from them, too. Yeah, like, they and did Father not, Tom did say, no was asleep when this happened by the way it was a snooze fest for noah he fell asleep i was just tired i fell asleep it, like, was, I, halfway through it happens it was a snooze fest, for, snooze fest for him but father tom does say also when he's talking to the dad and explaining to the dad hey i think your daughter's troubled he says she has a very good way of making everything look like an accident i've seen that part yeah so i mean yeah. he they do kind of explain it they throw a little bit out to kind of explain uh, she she is a good liar. So, but I think Father Tom is kind of seeing through this. Father well, Tom was also too nice. They show that in the movie that she's a good liar because they give her a literal polygraph and she passes yeah. it. Well, yeah, she doesn't. She doesn't. She does, though, in the sense that they say who's the killer, and she says that it's her sister, yes. and she fully believes it enough to where that passes. She believes know, even it enough. Her sister's dead. Yes, but <laughs> did she? Kn- I don't think she knew it was Mrs. Trudoni. She might have actually thought it was her sister. She didn't, but yeah. I mean, the fact that she knew enough, and, uh, and I mean, that she, I don't, a 12 year old would understand death enough to know that her sister wasn't coming back. Like, yeah. I mean, that's beyond levels. I mean, like, she, the fact that she could pass a polygraph on that part means that she was an expert liar. Oh, like, God. you know, when it came to, that's scary. 
But yeah, I mean, it <laughs> and was. Even, and even hint at the end of the movie. I mean, they show that she, after everything she's seen and experienced, especially seeing Tredoni, like, you know, cut Father Tom's throat, she is going to be a killer. Like, oh, yeah. No ifs, or oh, yeah. She picks up the knife and hides in her bag and she's all happy go lucky at the end of the movie, you know, like, oh, I got me a new prize. I just, I mean, that that's my, the only thing I thought about the mother was that she was a little too naive when it came to her. But the, but then I can explain it away later when I saw how, I mean, and I don't know if this is part of Linda Miller's own mental stuff coming through into the movie. I think it was. Yeah. But I got the sense that she was so on edge and so ready to just let everything go that she had to believe that her daughter was innocent or she was done. Like her mind was gone. You know, like the she, problem with her that, is she was too pretty to be going through that bullshit. She should have a husband there that's helping her and know she's got to do it on her own, and it's just too hard. If the director had any balls, he would he would he would have wrote into the movie. He would have wrote like mid into the movie as part of the script where she he has her cut her wrist. Oh, <laughs> that, what what director would have done that? We just talked. Was it the psycho? No. Well, I guess it could have been. What's his name? Oh, um, Hitchcock would have, but William Friedkin, who did Exorcist, would have definitely yes, done that. Yes, would have I mean, definitely. Shooting guns off behind people, you know, to get them to jump. So. <laughs> You're going to do this? Fine, let's just put it in the movie. Yeah. Guys, yeah, guys are you rolling? Went to cool. Her like, he would have said, you're a crazy bitch. Yeah. Slit your throat or your wrist or whatever for me in front of, you know, everybody. <laughs> Oh my god! Like, hey, were you rolling when she did that? Can we cut that into the film? Awesome, keep it. Yeah. The visual effects are out of this world on that scene. It looked so realistic. (laughs) She even turned pale and passed out. For me, I'm going to rate it a four out of five. I I didn't expect much. I I kept seeing that it was highly rated by everybody. It said, if you're going to cover a proto slasher, this is definitely one of them. It definitely bridges the gap between the old and the new and, you know, and all that. And when I watched it, I saw what they were getting at. And it was, uh, there was enough, like I started out by saying, there's enough polish to the movie that I enjoyed it. Like, the, I don't mind a cheap independent movie, movie but like I, I always feel the cheapness. Like you can't get yeah. away from it. They don't. Their lighting is awful. It looks like it looks like they literally shot like you know on a, a iPhone or something. Well, even worse than iPhone because they've got filters now. Like yeah, you know, like a a digital video camcorder or something and filming. You know, and then uh, I mean, looks flat. You know, there's no. Uh, the actors don't look like they know what they're doing in half the scenes in some of the independent movies. This had none of that. It was it was a quality movie despite the fact that it was a low budget affair. You know. So, yeah. Yeah. My um, only gripe yeah. was the fact is was that disconnect from the people of that time. Like I, would, I had a hard time bridging that gap where just understanding how strict people were. Like that it floated like that. Am I wrong to also think that maybe that a divorced couple would not be getting along like that? I mean, granted, he was trying to bank her, and I get that. And and she was a single mom. She would have gone for anything at this she point. She was also emotionally broken at that point yes. in the movie. So she was, like I, I was trying to say earlier, she was looking for a, a you know a life raft anywhere she could yeah. find it. And if it meant believing her daughter would, had no issues, the one that was surviving and the fact, and then you know, uh, hopping you know on the dick of her ex husband, whatever it took, she was going to take it. Basically yeah. At that point. Um. But like, <clears throat> would a, a divorced couple get along as good as they did? I don't know. I, even then, I would think that there were still couples that, you know, uh, we don't know how they split. So, I mean, yeah. you know, if he cheated on her, then no. But, you I know, mean, if they, if for whatever reason, like, they just didn't work as a couple and they knew that it was harming the kids, I, I, I think even then, even though it was harder back in those days to reconcile that, you know, than maybe even in the 70s, 
there were still people that did that because they just knew it's like we're toxic for each other. This ain't working. I'm not going to, you know, I, I don't hate you, but I, but when I'm around you, you know, we both feel like shit. So we need to do something different. Do you know what would have filled the gaps? Would it, would it did a good job filling the gaps? They'd made their mom kind of a drunk. I think that yeah. Would, I think that she needed some kind of yes, yeah. uh, a little bit and, a disconnect. And device. like I said, I think Linda Miller was giving that energy off anyways. That there yeah. was something else going on with her mentally. They should have shown more of that. They, yeah, she was way too put together for what was going on. Yes, and that's that's the thing is to me, yeah, she might seem psycho, but she seemed put together. So it was hard for me to bridge that that thing where everything was just getting pushed to the sideline. But if they made her like a drunk, then I'm like, okay. Now I can see where she can disassociate from the, the only thing that I can think of. And we don't have this context. So we don't know is that if maybe that was like, she already had enough signs of weakness morally, you know, uh, you know, with the divorce, you know, having the kids, you know, the way that she did as a single mother, maybe her one thing is that she had to keep like herself in tip top, you know, pretty shape because she felt like that was, she, if she, she was already getting talked about by everybody anyways, she was already like the, the whore of the town. Yeah. The only that she had to basically look prim and proper because if she showed like showed up anywhere disheveled or anything like that, Oh, well uh, clearly, she's you know not only is she a whore but she's a deadbeat a drunk blah 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 like that was her one thing to keep herself from being labeled the worst person ever in that community i mean i could see that being an argument yeah but, you know back in those times but how many how many people are hidden drunks and like like I said, well, she uh, yeah they could have for sure shown her like in a couple scenes like sipping yeah. out of a flask you know hitting you know getting away from the kids and like you know knocking one back no problem with that i'm just saying like you know she had she couldn't have let it be so overt that it, that everybody she could and that would have actually worked better in the context of the movie because if alice was hiding stuff and the mother was hiding the fact that she was drinking and stuff that would have even been a better like uh you know similarity between the two of them yes learn habit yeah, it was like they both learned how to hide their the worst aspects of themselves. Yeah, and maybe the daughter got that from the mother. That that would have been a great oh addition God. to the movie. Literally and, hiding her crazy and acting like a lady. <laughs> <laughs> and and maybe Soul, uh, you know, he mentions that he would like to redo it with pretty much the same story, but like he realized there were problems with the story. I mean, he admits that. I mean, he's not above thinking that his movie, you know, or, or he's not one of those people that thinks his movie is sacrosanct. So. I think that he would take something like that and actually run with it. I think he would say, yes, if there's a remake, I think for sure she needs to be, there's something, the mother needs to be fucked up in some way. Yeah. Um, Did you give a rating? You ready to move on to yeah. the next movie? Three. or? Yeah, I'm, I'm ready to move on. Yeah. He gave it a four, we gave it a three. Okay. 